wizard, Harry. That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. As you wish. See, the universal greeting works every time. So I was planning on asking you, what's your? Have you watched the show Dexter? Uh yes, I watched. I think seasons one through four. And kind of was not a fan of how they ended everything on that season. I was like, I'm good. I'm good. So wait, you thought that was a low point? It felt uh, cheap. Mm. Or was it season five? Uh, Spoilers, it's when Dexter finds Rita's head head cut off. Oh, finds her in the bathtub. Oh yeah, finds her in the bathtub dead. That that's what it was. It, it's been so long since I watched it. It's a spoiler for the whole episode. We will spoil things. This is a spoiler podcast. <laughs> we'll round back to that in a second. But if we talk about something, we'll probably spoil it. Um, mm. did you ever? We'll circle back to why that's a good and bad place that you stopped off at. But did you ever read Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comic? Oh, loved it. So Yona Vasquez is. is I, I love Yona Vasquez. The the intro to one of the omnibuses of that comic, um, this is kind of a question mm-hmm. for both sources. And this is definitely, we're going to hit it with the front on. We're just going to tackle this big, big, heady idea. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a thing of, do you think that people need to dip into the sad and despair to kind of, help themselves in life and Johnny the homicide maniac. They have a forward in one of the comics where he basically talks about how everybody needs to feed the monster. Cause if you never feed the monster, then it's just going to devour you and not necessarily dark urges. And there's a really important way to phrase what I'm trying to say, because I'm not talking about like dark urges, like Dexter shit. I'm talking about like uh-huh. dark shows, uh, dark comics, things like that. And what's your opinion on that thought line? Absolutely. I mean, it most definitely it's why people make it is to confront those feelings they have within themselves. Yeah. And, and understanding what those feelings are like, because the, the world is not just a pretty place and there are, there are facets of humanity and just existing that is not pretty. And I think just, ignoring it as something that isn't real or doesn't isn't something that's likely to happen is it is just lying to yourself but i mean people watch you know uh 48 hours or the to catch a killer and all like you know crime dramas homicide dramas they also watch like horror movies because they like the feeling of being scared in ways because it it helps people to appreciate like the good you know yeah i think Um, i think that's why a lot of people do that i just it's i think people who entirely ignore like a blanket the uh, bad that can be in the world end up doing themselves like not just a disservice and the fact like you said of where it will definitely show you the bright spots but it's like amount of like repression in a way yeah and yeah, I, I could see that potentially, yeah. 
but really what I'm trying to ask you is how much did you love Noodle Boy in the Giant House on Maniac comics? Oh, it was so good. I mean, I <laughs> legit, I had the original seven comics. Yeah. OG, like, single-issue comics of Johnny the Homo Simulbaniac. I didn't have them signed, but I had those issues. I lent them to a friend, never got them back, but, like, I was all about that stuff. God, I just always remember there was one portion of one of the Noodle Boy comics where he says something along the lines of everybody has blackheads if you look close enough. And every time I get really (laughs) insecure about, like, my acne or anything like that, I'm just like, everybody has it. I'll be okay. It will be fine. It's part of being human. Yep. This is but, the, the my way to tell you that I'm trying to continue watching Dexter because they're having the reboot. Hmm. For the, uh, oh, yeah. That oh, comes yeah. in November. And I, I'm i kind of the opposite of you where I watched – I finished uh, season four. And I was watching it with one of my best friends at his house hmm. and his entirely entire family. So like a house full of like eight people. We would all watch it on different TVs. But we're mm-hmm. all watching it at the same time. And that ending with Rita in the bathtub, literally, I have never heard a house full of so many people with such a quiet, quietness to it that was loud. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so quiet, you could just, you were aware of everything. Mm-hmm. And that quiet kept on for, sure. for, like, 20, 30 seconds, real lifetime. And then, I think it was his little brother, which, side note, um, Cameron, if you're listening to this, you marry my sister in a month, then the world is crazy, but I'm happy for you too. And yay. Anyways, Cameron goes, what the (laughs) fuck? What was that? And his mom starts yelling at him for cussing. And he was just like, did you just see that? And like the whole. Yeah, that's cool. But like. (laughs) It was just the craziest transition of like me and my best friend are just sitting there in his room like holy shit and then you hear just like the whole Mm. house erupt and just like i can't believe that happened and i try to watch some of season five but it just never lived up to like that high point even if it was a cheat pool see and that's that's where i sit on it is i thought the john lithgow's trinity killer was a such a fantastic villain for that season it was incredible and then it, it felt like one fridging which is just a, a terrible fucking trope. And two, like y'all really need to stoop to that level to kill this character to m- make it interesting. Like what's the fridging trope? Killing uh killing a character as a motive like a, a typically a significant other uh as a motivation to get that character to um do their chain of events to go on their journey, typically like hero's journey, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, gotcha, like gotcha, it's gotcha. a it's a narrative trope to like motivate someone. Yeah. Um, such as like The Last of Us Part Two. Um, <laughs> Not a fan. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I have no issue with what happened in that respect. It's just I, I didn't like where they went with that story. But that's a whole other, whole other conversation. Oh, you know what? We're gonna jump ahead. Uh, I don't want to be wrong about this on air. Did you have to sure. use the um, golf club avatar? Yes, because I lost that. Uh, it was the Game Awards bet with uh, Dory, uh, it was Travis, and myself. And we, uh, we, it was that we bet that last. No, of no, us I'm saying like it win. was me and me and Dory versus you two. Oh, that's right. You, you and well, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. you two as well. That's right. God, uh, yeah, that was. Okay. So... 
So oh, I'm going to jump ahead. So uh, normally the two questions I ask people is our first interactions um, and your first thought when meeting me. It's very self-indulgent, but it leads to good stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that we had another um, – uh, you're one of the – I don't know if you know this or not. You're one of the first people I actually watched on Twitch. Um, really? Yeah. Well, thank I you. I think you were – I have this backwards sometimes. I think mm. you were playing something to the topic we'll get to later, and I started asking you questions about um, Hollow Knight. Because I, Hollow Knight I probably. Was... I mean, I'm literally looking on off uh, the right corner of my eye, and there's a Hollow Knight print I have right there. It's like my second favorite game ever. Yeah. Uh, so that that would make sense. I think you're you're. I was the only one in the chat, and I was just like, I'm going to ask you questions mm. about this game. Anyways, so that's one that I remember. And the mm. other that we kind of peaked, uh, went in and out the story with is we bet you that The Last of Us Part Two would win the Game Awards and you Instead standed of Hades. Hades. So, excuse me. Um, and then when we, when Dory and I won that bet, we didn't know what avatar to give you to. Uh-huh. And I kept trying to think, and I was just like, you know what? This is funny to me. And <laughs> do you want to tell our listeners what avatar you had to use? We just had to wear it was just a golf club. Like it was at the nine iron. I can't remember what specific club it was, but it was a golf club head basically as the the avatar picture. And Travis uh and myself had it for it was one month was the the term. Which do you want to tell the it listeners so why funny. that's funny? Uh, so, uh, spoilers for Last of Us Part 2, Abby kills Joel with a golf club, Very beats brutally. him to death with it, <laughs> like, viciously. And so it was just a reminder in, uh, of that bet, and it was very, it was very funny to me, just as, like, a wink and a nod to the people who knew. I was like, oh, I lost, like, people would ask, oh, why you have that? I was like, oh, I lost a bet about The Last of Us 2, and, like, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good punishment i i liked it a lot uh um, i love avatar bats they're, they're really great create creative outlets for people to you know engage with each other the, yeah i i haven't done one since i don't think but it's something that i don't think about often i should probably come up well the game awards should be coming oh, up the next God. few months i will definitely do it with game awards we should have totally done it with the P, uh, playstation showcase yeah i should have made a bet with dory that Deathloop was going to show up <laughs> just to make Dude, her mad how many okay first of all that game is coming w- through like such high reviews that like i, I don't i'm stoked i i kind of feel more interested in it now and then i've um, been stoked since i saw it for the first time i i've been iffy on it kind of like a wait and see thing and i feel like i waited and sense. saw that it's high reviews because i never really well, was big the, in the thing honor. for me uh, that's the thing is I love immersive sims. I even, for the most part, really enjoyed Prey. Uh, that was Arcane Texas, I think. Um, the other studio that they have. Uh, I loved that game up until like the last third. And then it was like, okay, this the pacing is bad and this ending is terrible. Um, but otherwise, I love immersive sims. Like playing the original Deus Ex, uh, Invisible War, like Hitman games. Because I like breaking machines <laughs> like that. Hitman and finding 2 like the, the mechanisms. To, um, PS Plus. So that will be the That's first right. Hitman yeah. game that I play. Um, I downloaded oh, it. 
I'm also really upset because I downloaded uh, for the PS5 their free game was Overcooked, which they mm-hmm. advertise as being crossplay. It's it's not crossplay. It's it's the the specific like all you can eat edition. I think is the crossplay one, right? Well, yes. Well, the PS5 plus uh, PlayStation Plus edition is the all you can eat one, but oh, it's only okay. crossplay between. I think it's PC in every console, but it's not every console in every console because I was trying to play with my friend who has uh, Switch and I had it on PlayStation, and we cannot play sense. together and we cannot figure it out. That's it was very too bad. upsetting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. What have you been up to recently? What have you been into? Uh, Returnal has been a big one. Speaking of loops, um, trying to get the platinum for Returnal. I. I have never felt better about a recommendation. I recommended that to my best friend. I was like, dude, trust me. You're going to like it. It has Metrovania aspects. It has like uh, HP Lovecraft. It's a 3D aspects. Metro game. Yeah. It's a 3D Metro game. It's incredible. <laughs> I was like, it has HP Lovecraft, which I don't know how much that actually bled through. Um, you've played a lot of it. Does it have some HP Lovecraft tinge to it? I mean, it's it's got it's got an... I mean, it's full of tentacles and shit, but like <laughs> there, there, there's surprisingly little in the way of like Eldritch influence as far as like, what about the house? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but if we want to get into it, like it, it, that's more of a metaphor for, um, trauma and like, it's more Lynchian, uh, I would say that's kind of how I've described it as like, it's a Lynchian Metroid game just because of like so many things are symbols. Uh, and then when you start to like complete the game and uncover what these symbols stand for, like the name Helios and why that's significant and why you feel like a terrible person every time you leave the chamber and it says Helios abandoned. And like it, it has those little moments uh, that really stand out. And I was talking about it on the great game debate recently as like my game, uh, my pitch because from the, I, I love how smart games in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been a fan of like Resogun, Dead Nation, Alienation, uh, everything they've done. I've, I've enjoyed because I like, enjoy arcade games. Uh, Next Machina was fantastic. Uh, Matterfall is great. But the that game in particular was intriguing to me because it was a 3D bullet hell game, which they're fantastic at making bullet hell games. Uh, and I once I got a hold of like really seeing what the gameplay loop was going to be like, I was like, oh, this looks fantastic. And I got my hands on it. Like, this is the probably one of the best. This is currently my favorite 3D platformer ever uh, because of the way it interacts. Like it interacts and like when you start getting upgrades like the grappling hook and stuff, I've probably put 70 hours in that game. Uh, Most recently, 12, just because I'm trying to get that platinum, which all I need to do all that it remains for me to get the platinum in that game is find two of two of the ciphers. There's one cipher in one location out of 20 and one location in the, the last biome out of 20 that I need. Uh, and one those, so I have two trophies left one cipher attached to each of those. One of them, however, is very likely bugged ah. and that's a bummer. And so that's um, I, I was trying so hard hunting for so long, trying to get that these last couple and then looked at what realistically would it would mean if I had to do that. I was like, I, I will get this. I'm going to take a break because <laughs> as much as I it is not getting old playing this game, 
the second back half of that game is pretty tough in spots. And I was like, I just, I want to play some other stuff. Uh, speaking but of bullet currently health, still my game of the year. I am um, game of the year as in it released this year. Game of the year. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, even games that I have experienced for the first time this year. So I mean, Bloodborne, I play every year. That doesn't ca- that doesn't count. <laughs> we're playing Bloodborne next month, correct? Uh, so we're playing Demon Souls. We're doing Return to Boletaria. Uh, but we. I thought you we said you play doing... Bloodborne with me. I, I mean, I absolutely will. I will play Bloodborne <laughs> with you as well. I'm not saying I'm not doing that. I'm saying as a community for Draft Punks, we're oh, playing okay. uh, Demon Souls together. The, the people that want to as a return, especially for the people that haven't. Uh, because it's an annual with as a as an experience for each of these games what they do is around the month of release every year what they do is they'll everyone will come back to the game be it like especially with demon souls ps3 version or the now ps5 remake come back to it populate the world typically leave a like a signifying marker or note or something in um it's usually like you're in the know right is the the message that they leave so like return to yarnum is march every year uh and so because the game came out last year in um was it no october november uh no it was november that's right uh, they're gonna do the return to uh return to bulletaria so I wanted to invite people that hadn't like finished it, wanted to try it out. People that are getting their PS5s for the first time, like Cap- like Ryan Stabell. Speaking of plugs, I am Eric Smith. You're listening to the Calm Down Nerd Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Sincerely underscore Eric. And with me today is Rob. I am terrified to mispronounce your last name. Hudak? You got it in one, dude. Most people say Huddock. Huddock. Yep. Uh, you can be found at Draft I got Pumps. Kodak a lot as a nickname. That's right. Um, what's your Twitter handler? It is at Raven Name Rook for me personally, but also at Real Draft Punks is where you can find us. Also on Twitch, Real Draft Punks. Draft Punks are some of the nicest people uh, weekly. They Aww. come up with um, different topics um, to draft. Uh, topics isn't the right word, but I can't find a way to narrow it down. For, they had me on recently, and we drafted our favorite nerds. Um, last episode or week, they did uh, medals. Was medals so we did no medal, and then the, there was one after that. It was uh, animal names, group yes. names, or collective yes. nouns for animals. Yeah, um, with Ozzy, um, one of you guys is yeah. good friends. Um, it was yeah. great. His his does. He, what accent is that? Where's this kid from? Where'd you find him? Uh, it's one of Brian's friends. Uh, he's he's known him for a very long time. He was also on the '90s sci-fi episode. Uh, that was when I first met him. Uh, I can't I can't say exactly that I remember where he's from. Uh, but Ozzy has an amazing accent. Being. I could listen to him say anything at any point in time. I know he D and D's Brian's. Uh, mm-hmm. He DMs, GMs, um, or DM, uh, Brian's D&D games. Um, mm-hmm. a- again, ma- amazing voice. Um, but yeah, they yeah, uh, drafted. Uh, w- what's your pitch for how to explain draft punks? Because I am not doing it. So the, the, 
the the two or like the three word or one sentence single sentence pitch is like we draft whatever we damn well please uh, yeah. uh but basically it's it's a snake draft in this in the style of like fantasy a fantasy draft or fantasy team draft where people will draft their favorite players to compose a team and all that stuff but we make our own lists so there's four people three primary hosts and the the guest seat and then we sit down and make us pick a subject and get super creative uh, in ways to interpret making our own lists and it's it's so much fun <laughs> okay first thought their discord um you can join it and i know they have it linked in their twitter um it's mm-hmm. just an amazingly nice place also tag team Thank through you. the level zero podcast um preston yeah. and recently uh, partnered Craig. with them uh are mm-hmm. part of the draft punk expanded universe um trying to submit my application the dpu <laughs> to join the dpu um so that you have the draft punk kids and what i like most about your podcast is both the uh, uh creativity aspect of it so who drafted wd40 for the one hit wonder greg griffith of level zero for the one hit wonders so that yeah, was you, you so guys. funny. <laughs> <laughs> one hit wonders, as one might imagine, is like uh, uh, the songs in the back of my head, but I can't think of it right now. But Seals yeah, general, Kiss from a Rose. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> were the two people Stuff that like were that. caught um, lip syncing? Um, was it Millie Vanilli? Yeah. What was their yeah. song? I don't remember. It's, <laughs> it's on the tip of my so tongue. Long. They they drafted like vanilla ice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, and then um, they would just have creativity to it. Which one of the things I can speak about is like um, when you join the Discord, they'll ask you three main questions: your favorite um, bird, favorite element, and favorite cheese. And uh, mm-hmm. Rob, I was planning on talking to you about this on here, on the during the episode, mm-hmm. but. I felt so vindicated that when I was asked those questions and I picked fifth element, I mm-hmm. had no uh I had no prior acknowledgement to the fact that you guys are very broad with what you can choose. I was yeah, like, it's a word exercise. Is, yeah, it's word association. Mm-hmm. It's very much so just like the word association. Absolutely. Like, think of this. What does it make you think of? Which think is of the, the whole principle thing. behind what we draft. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I felt so vindicated because I was, and, like, I think you guys even mentioned you got it, it during the episode of just, like, um, you know, we love the people that just, like, have that word association aspect with this. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. Element of surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is a popular one. I'm it's trying a favorite. to remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, I took what you're saying. Uh, the elements of surprise, as in, like, you like the word association, elements of surprise, but at the same time, elements of surprise is an element that you could have drafted during that episode. The, it, it, Brian drafted it. <laughs> he, in <laughs> fact, drafted it. He, like, it, it was just surprise, literally the surprise moment. <laughs> yep. Oh, how do you feel That's about one of being. My... I, I like the fact that um, you guys bleep out curse words on the draft bunks. How do you feel about being on a podcast that you don't have to worry about timestamps? I mean, oh God, if you had listened to the April Fool's Day episode of PS Premiere this year. Um, so uh, what we did was we we collaborated with PS Premiere where they took over our podcast and mm-hmm. drafted Xbox games because they were 
PlayStation centric. So we, they, they wanted to do something, you know, silly and we turned it in their episode into something more focused on, uh, Nintendo switch news, uh, with a little bit of Xbox too. Um, and the, literally as we started up we're like what's up fuckers <laughs> just to, to, to lay into like yeah we one of the episodes we did was we drafted swear words it was things you can't say on draft punks with yeah. james smith or smithy of ps premiere and so one of the running jokes is bob ag uh it's like a swear word that we use for fun uh just as like a, as a nod to that episode uh and and the, the collaborative fun we have. So we, yeah, anytime I can sit on a podcast and not have to worry about swearing is great, but we do try to keep it in mind for Brian's sake, how many he has to time for it's a me now at this point, just like timestamp. I liked the, during my episode with you guys, thanks for having me on. It was a great time, but like mm -hmm. I was so conscious of trying not to curse and Brian even thanks me in the beginning of the episode. And then I even listened back later because it, Brian even says it because I curse at one point and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cuss. And either you or Brian say, dude, you've been cussing for the past five minutes. It's OK. I was like, oh, it was shit, like the, ver the very last like 30 minutes of the episode. And it, like we're, we know when we're used to it and you're just like, oh, oh, shit. Sorry. I was like, it's fine. dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's totally understandable like we especially when we had uh kim wallace on from game informer she has a she, mouth really and, and i love it yeah she has a mouth <laughs> I would love especially to have she's talking about like, joe juba <laughs> i'd love to have her on for like jrpg stuff or like she's the reason that yeah, i she's... took such a risk on fire emblem three houses and i'm so mm, glad mm -hmm, i did mm -hmm. because damn that game is good um, she's delightful Speaking of things we've been doing recently, I've been playing Tales of Arise, mm. which is my first Tales of game. Oh, nice. So fucking good, dude. It's... Yeah, I played the demo of it. I've been wanting to. I actually drafted that for the fantasy games critic for the Spelunkers. Uh, I wanted to put it on mine uh, for mine, but the Draft Punks uh, fantasy critic, but it might have already been filled up. Mm -hmm. But I've been wanting to play that game ever since I saw like the first gameplay reveals. Like, that looks fantastic. Yeah, and I just don't have like time right now because Deathloop is coming out. Uh, but I absolutely want to play that game. It looks so good. Which it's hard to plug something when it's going to be passed. So this episode released on Thursday. Are you still doing the Deathloop Mondays? Well, so yeah, we do Monday Night Roguelite. Um, and this game isn't technically a roguelite, but it like adheres to some of the formulas of it. And so what I'm doing this week. You can watch the VOD if you're listening to this uh, on the Real Draft Punks channel. But it's I'm doing like Monday late night roguelite uh, or I know I'm calling it Monday late night loop like um, <laughs> and just just for just for shits and giggles, because uh, yeah. I like, you know, playing with the, the expectation. But I, as soon as the game release releases, like I will be streaming just before and then firing it up for the stream to play at release at midnight launch. But it'll be 10 my time. Oh, okay. So it drops at midnight. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know that you, meant, you guys mentioned that in the last Draft Funks episode, and um, I wasn't sure if this... We're recording on Monday. People didn't get this yet. Um, and this will be released yeah. on Thursday. Basically in, four, in five hours, yeah. I, I will be playing. <laughs> I will be doing... Um, I convinced my best friend, and mainly it's just because... So one of my best friends, like he is so good at reading comprehension due to the fact that he grew up playing RPGs with all the text box mm -hmm. reading. 
so he totally. to me is like one of the biggest like video game nerds. So I convinced him to join me in the Minmax Trivia Tower. Uh, Hell yeah! I, we're That's probably exciting, gonna dude. lose immediately, and I'm just gonna keep playing Tales of Arise. Um, we'll, we'll see how it hey, goes. but you tried. Yeah. yeah, that's part of the fun. Uh, and then this episode will actually launch on Thursday, which I blindsided. Um, I guess my last technical episode, okay, two episodes ago with um, so Hurricane Ida came through and it delayed, it was right. Ida, right? Yeah, I think um, it delayed right. some things for me, but um, Jeff Cork, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for him for being on. He also, without knowing it at the time, I told him to pick a random day of the week and random time of the week. And he picked Thursday at three. And that is now where episodes are going to release. So you will be listening to this at some point past Thursday at three. But in the future, we're either going to do weekly or every other week. Episodes will come out Thursday at three. And we're almost 30 minutes in and we've barely touched the episode. Yeah. Besides Returnal, what I mean, we've had great conversation. That's all the thing. That's all that matters, right? If we enjoy listening and talking to each other, then there's at least one damn other person out there who enjoys it as well. It's probably, probably my mom. Yep, your mom's lovely. (laughs) So, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Your mom's probably a lovely person. Can we talk about Travis's mom for a second? Oh my goodness, Debbie McGahee is amazing. I love her. So was it the musical She's episodes? Wonderful. They talk about her so much. And I'm just like, this sounds they, like they, such yeah. a cool mom. She was on the cereals draft. We drafted breakfast cereals with his mom. I gotta listen to that. So I've like I'm it's listening so to fun. the episodes that air, and then I'm listening to the episodes like from one. So actually, I, I'll be honest. I'm only on episode two with Disney characters. And oh, I've don't worry about it, man. That's yeah. The beautiful so thing about it is like it's it's evergreen. You could listen to any of them whenever. Some yeah. of them are a little bit more timely around certain things as an inspiration, but like yeah, whenever they're not like game news circular uh, focused. <laughs> yeah, uh, which you just reminded me, and it's almost spook season. I hope that you guys. Oh yeah. Are- four weeks worth if you don't dory and i are gonna riot we want four weeks worth of <laughs> We're spook drafts. On it. we we need to we need to iron out some of the details like as you might know brian has a kid coming out coming out uh, a yeah. kid being born next <laughs> well, month. it does come out of somewhere <laughs> <laughs> brian's baby is being released <laughs> but it's such a uh, fire album dude <laughs> Yo, that baby's fire. Um, but yeah, his, his baby's being born sometime next month. And so they've been doing a lot of preparation for that. Yeah. Uh, but we still do want to have, because uh, last year we did like um, scary, like I think it was yeah, scary movies with our significant others. Uh, and it was, it was a delight. And Brian made these, Brian makes these like vote cards essentially. And yeah. Uh, some most of the time and he made these like basically movie posters that combined elements of everything from our draft i have mine uh like pinned to my wall so it's always within sight i I love it so much for just for for my draft it's it's so good um i had a thought and then i immediately lost it uh you should you should buy riot Yes, we want to do um, an episode, or, or not we want to do an episode, but I think you should do an episode um, every week during spook season. Um, 
Dope. And then I like my my brain like the way it transitions. Um, to to are, you should buy like Brian's kid like a Pumba onesie because I'm listening to the Disney episode now, mm-hmm. and knowing how much mm-hmm. of a fan Brian is of Pumba, just buy his kid a onesie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't hasn't already. Uh, or or Cal, uh, it's it's adorable, and I can't wait to see pictures of that kid. It's gonna be so dang adorable. Um, with spook season coming up, um, mm. what is uh your feelings on Halloween? Uh, was it Halloween Kills? Halloween Kills. What do you mean? It's the second Halloween movie. Um, oh, I don't think a trilogy. It's... Oh, of like the the new ones, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've seen them. I haven't oh. seen them. I haven't watched like a Halloween movie in a long time. The new one looks good. I love the OG ones. I'm is sure. There... I'm sure it is. I just honestly <laughs> have been too damn busy to watch movies. Is there any like Halloween tradition that you have? Um, for when I was a kid, it was definitely you know the decorations and stuff around the house had a had a like a huge yard my dad would do the the full decorations um more so recently usually just throwing on a a recent horror movie i think like last year uh watched hereditary um just watching great gory horror movies i grew up on that stuff my my dad i mean i saw child's play when i was four years old so i'm used to (laughs) i got desensitized at a very young age to horror Uh, but that that one uh just like going back and watching fun horror like gory horror movies my only no i mean i have a four-year-old so i'm just gonna go ahead and throw her under the bus and say she's the reason why but i don't really have any like actual gory or like um, anything like that in halloween traditions but for the past mm. few halloweens i will re-watch over the garden wall um i think it was on hulu okay. last year it should still be on hulu have you ever seen that no, I don't think so. That doesn't it's, even ring a bell. It's a kid show with Elijah Wood, and the humor in it okay. is like kind of uh, along the vein of like Adventure Time, or some of the newer like wacky zany. But it has to sure. do with like these two brothers going trick or treating, and as they're trick or treating, like things get weirder and weirder and weirder, until they're in a barnyard full of like pumpkins, pumpkin heads dancing together. Um, Highly recommend awesome. it if you've never seen it. You set aside the time, and uh, I think every episode over the like garden wall. You says what it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll look into that. We're we're just gonna watch an episode real fast. Hold on a second. So over the garden wall, it's amazing, isn't it? I it, the greatest thing Great. I've ever seen. <laughs> so um, okay, so we talked briefly earlier about you and I's first interactions. Um, mm-hmm. In the normal other question that I ask first time guests, it's typically what's your definition of a nerd? For you, I'm mm. going to switch that up just a little bit, Whoa. and you're going to help me build the question as I go. Is this because we asked you what a nerd was, and you're like spiteful now? <laughs> no, no, it's because <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I will tell you, like with my Charles McGregor episode. I, mm-hmm. I feel bad because I kind of put him underneath the spotlight because as soon as he started answering, I was just like, I had the realization as soon as he started answering, I was just like, holy fuck, everybody's saying the same exact thing every time. And I feel bad because I kind of called him out for it. So 
most of my guests are on the same page as I am of what a nerd is. And that's never used mm-hmm. as an insult, although it can be. It is somebody who's passionate about something and somebody who knows something to the nth degree. People who have their own niches. It's where people find their mm-hmm. passions. Totally. So help me build this question as I go, and it will be a version that I ask future guests. What do mm. you think that you have used your nerdum to – what do you think you've experienced in nerd culture that you continue as a lifelong philosophy, inspirational kitten on the – or uh, kitten hanging from a tree, inspirational poster? Okay. What is something that you can overlap with nerdum where you're just like, I would never have felt this passionate about this life aspect if it was not for this blank – from nerdum. Uh, See, I feel like that's much more of a tougher and personal question. Oh, it's it's a good question. Uh, I'm just trying to think. It, it's one of those like I would recommend when you have a guest on, give them that question in advance just so they can think of it. No, uh, we do this for- live. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you don't want like dead air, like, um, well, no, I will fill the dead air with with insults and compliments. Sure, (laughs) sure. But, but, but fortunately, there is one I can't think of, at least that like stands out. It might not have been like the inception point of when these things overlapped and so, et cetera. But no, like one thing in particular I can think of right now that kind of touches on part of like our subject for for the episode is Mm -hmm. seeing other people overcome uh, challenges and obstacles in gaming but specifically like one thing that always gets me hyped is seeing people defeat bosses in uh like souls games soulsborne games like seeing someone beat a boss for the first time like this took me forever i was like i i feel you buddy like so proud of you so this is a way that i can um I, I, you definitely um, interject me if I'm wrong, but I think I can answer the question for you from the question I blindsided you with. You are very <laughs> big with the community of nerdum, of people, um, the underdog overcoming its obstacle and uplifting each other yeah. through the community aspects. And yeah, n- nerdum, ner- nerds have fandoms, and those fandoms sometimes can be very toxic occasionally and you have to try to find the bright spots of those where it's genuine people going i want you to succeed at this let me know how i can help you do that Mm -hmm. absolutely so that that is me to to, to the core (laughs) for sure so tell me why i am also correct that from software games are the super mario brother 3 of our generation I'd argue that they're the Ocarina of Time or linked to the past of our generation. Here's the problem with that. I never played those games. <laughs> you should rectify that. They're on <laughs> Nintendo Switch Online. Oh, sorry. Super Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, <laughs> that only but, has, uh, well, has linked to the past, but it does not have Ocarina of Time. Well, no, no. But I mean, Ocarina of Time is just a 3D version of Link to the Past. So you're good. That, that uh, made me but, want to play it actually a little bit more. It's great. It's not. It's a fantastic <laughs> game. I'm I just saying, of, like that. That is what that game is. One of my best friends. Um, I went through the Zelda games recently. He started with original, then two, and then God, I forget where he left off at. But 
he he did he was in my Rocky episode, Nicholas Galati. Mm. He does the Zodiacs podcast. Um Right, right. But yeah, he uh shit. I know shit. I feel like he left <laughs> off at Link to the Past, and I'm gonna be wrong and he's gonna come back later and correct me on it. But so my point with it though, because Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't got it yes from the, yet from the title, uh, Rob here is about to go and rant about from software and oh the boy, Dark Souls yeah. games and the Bloodborne games, and I'm going to nudge him along the entire way. But here's my point: is you die a lot, you have to learn the level. It's really not about defeating every enemy; it's about getting to the end point. It's really not about it's about your build, but it's about knowing how to use your build. And it's about mm. knowing the risk and reward and having quick reaction timing with your button presses. Yeah, or, or blocking. So uh, tell me why yeah, that's the, not the, Super Mario Brothers 3 Tanuki suit. No, you're you're <laughs> you're you're not wrong. And like there there is there's something that stands about it stands out about these games in particular of like they are like Dark Souls in particular is more of a, a seminal game of a generation that has become the er game for action adventure games, both in exploration and combat sensibilities. More and more games are using attack and heavy attack on R1 and R2. Why is that? Because it's very it's much better to be able to move the camera with your thumb and hit the attack buttons with the shoulder simultaneously. Do you know what um, um, Tales of Arise R1 and R2 is? Uh, it's your heavy, it's light and heavy attack, isn't it? Or no. no, your R2 is the dodge. That's right. Yep. I remember that. That was weird to me at first because I was like, how am I going to dodge when I'm trying to attack? This is frustrating. And then I realized that if you're honestly trying to dodge, you should not be trying to attack. And once I once that yeah, clicked totally. for me in Tales of Arise, it, it became so much smoother trying to play that game mm -hmm. of like, oh shit, I need to dodge. Let me stop trying to attack. And that split yep. difference, there's a lot of people online right now that say you should uh, reframe your hotkeys or for your button layout. Don't do that. Just trust the developers. It's that way for a reason. I I completely disagree. <laughs> I I am I'm a huge rebind buttons person. That's why like whenever we're playing games together, like on console or mouse and keyboard, I'm always the. Uh, don't ask me what the bindings are because they're not the defaults. I never mm. have default bindings because that you I change it for all games though. Pretty much, yes. That's fair. Almost That's... every single game. I will call that because the outlier it, to make it a rule. Part of it, part of it is because uh, if it, if I'm playing games on computer and they're typically mouse and keyboard oriented, I have a mouse that has twelve buttons on it that I can rebind stuff to, that I don't have to move my hand around to get to, and so I can be more precise with first person shooters and things like that. Like when I start up Death Loop tonight, I'm probably going to spend twenty minutes going through the key bindings and making it feel right uh, because. What not kind of mouse no has 12 buttons? Oh, that's nothing. Have you not seen like <laughs> the MMO mice where it's like 30 buttons on the side and all that? Like this, honestly, the best controller or the best controller, the best mouse I've ever used. Uh, and I've recommended it to like Stub. Well, Stubbs already, I think, had one, but I recommended it to uh, Travis and a few other people. And every time they used it, they're like, oh, this actually feels incredible. And you can do a lot of stuff with it. You just have to like get your head into the space of thinking how you can use those buttons. But the point being, 
there's a difference between trusting the developers and recognizing that not everyone plays games the same way, mm -hmm. uh, be it like um, capabilities, uh, disabilities, and all that. So you should allow all buttons to be rebound. I, think. I do think, uh, yeah, but... I do think as far as, I wouldn't even just say accessibility as far as people with disabilities, which sounds wrong for some reason. But I, I would say just like, in general, what you're saying with what feels right feels right. I think all games should have a way to restructure their button layout. I agree. I think every, I, I think literally every button should be able to be rebound in in every game. That's something I, I vehemently feel <laughs> because I, I think that like there are instances in which I can and it's frustrating because like this one button does not feel right. I wish I could just change this one button and everything would be fantastic. The first game I think I ever changed the keys to was uh, Nier Automata. Um, right, okay. And I put the interaction button, which is normally X, to L1. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell makes you sense. why it makes sense, but it just feels It made right. sense for you. <laughs> exactly. When I walk That's up my to whole something, point. <laughs> which walking is with the left thumb, and if, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the two fingers you use the most on any hand is the thumb and the pointer finger. So when you walk and you interact, you're clicking those two automatically. And this is a audio format, not visual. So you guys cannot see Rob annoying. You guys cannot He's see me annoying his Rob. Fingers and... I keep doing it. And Rob's like, you can stop now. You look, you're touching the nipple. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So that made sense to me. My only point of Tales of yeah. Arise isn't so much trust every developer. It's just, I I needed to figure out why they put it like that, and once I realized that you shouldn't be doing both those things at once, it made more sense to me. That's oh for sure, I, and I I agree that like it, it is worth trying to see when buttons are bound in certain ways, like what they're trying to communicate. But the whole thing, like when Jonah was streaming defeating Dark Souls three first boss, um, his immediate response is that these controls are dog shit. I was like. I completely disagree. I hate having my combat buttons be face buttons. Yeah. It feels terrible. I need to be able to control my camera simultaneously with the attacks that I do. So that yeah. way I don't need to constantly have camera lock on. So which is part of the reason why those types of games I will play with. Like if I have an Xbox Elite controller on like on PC or if uh, PS4 games, I will use the playstation 4 control with back buttons basically i need back buttons for those types of games so i can have my dodge button be essentially on the left back button so i can move and dodge and have my camera and attacks be on different things so i can do all of those simultaneously and never have to lift my thumb off a camera or movement uh and like with as an example returnal uh when i fired that game up shifted button bindings which you can change every button binding which is fantastic uh i shifted my dash to l1 and my jump to r1 uh and my like interact was like triangle or, or no my might have been x but basically i made it so all and my melee was my r3 so i made it so every verb that i could participate with in that game could be accessed at a moment's notice without having to really take my thumb off the the camera with the exception of interact which is for the grappling hook like it's useful to have it on x so i can move my camera and instantly hit x and like zip somewhere um and that's part of the reason why is like i try to think about 
thing, minimizing hand movement as much as possible, one, to prevent carpal tunnel, and two, just for ease of use. But yeah. So, all right, we're here to talk about from software games. Yeah, and uh, honestly, and that's where it started for me. Word, yeah. uh, that's what I was going to ask you is your beginning journey with from software. But prior to that, I need to mm. drop and give you a launch pad, um, which is sort of self-indulgent because I'm kind of prep, not, I'm trying to lead the conversation, but don't worry. You can talk about sure. whatever you want because it's your rant, not mine. <laughs> but one of the things that I like about from software games is the world building mm. aspect. I have mentioned in past episodes, and I will continue to mention in future episodes. I love lore. I love lore yep. of real life history. I love lore of Lord of the Rings shit. Knowing that that whole dork J.R.R. Tolkien built the Lord of the Ring books off the fact that he made an Elvish language and he needed a place to put it. That's so mm. fucking cool to me. That is rad yeah. as shit. I agree. I absolutely agree. <laughs> so from for from software, I don't know if they started with Demon Souls. Yeah, they probably did, but especially with Dark Souls, where their whole world building is putting you into a room with lots of bad guys you have to beat and little scraps of paper lining the carpet. Mm -hmm. And you have to absolutely momentarily look down and find the world for yourself. Yeah, and, and oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just you go. That was my pointing okay. towards you, like a okay. conductor, so, like a very fucking so, pretentious so with conductor. That, I, <laughs> uh, with that, like you had also made mention earlier of like what the FromSoft games kind of encapsulate, mm -hmm. and it's about like you know not so much about just the moment to moment encounters. It's about like endpoints and boss encounters and all that. But for, for me, the best there's a single word that comes to mind when thinking about why I love from soft games like just the sensibility that those types of like souls born games inhibit and it is discovery. And part of that, and part of why I think about the souls games akin to like link to the past is the souls games to me are, and it, it sounds kind of shitty and I don't mean it that way, but it, like they're in some ways like the grown up Zelda games. They are Zelda games that bite back, that do not try like show you where the trap is when you walk into a room. The camera does not zoom on the on the trap that you have to be aware of. The those games are about like no, this place is actively trying to kill you. I remember How my do you first time that? encountering a mime. My uh, like the treasure chest a mimic it, yeah mimic yeah sorry <laughs> i remember no, encountering my first one in one i remember my first mime <laughs> <laughs> mr mime and it was dark and it evolved <laughs> anyway so my first mimic um god bless side note rob is wearing a D, &D shirt which we'll get to later but mimics oh, yeah. and D, D are also fun um continue though oh yeah but I, I mean, it's also great that you bring up D&D &D in part because they feel like campaigns. The, the worlds feel alive. Yeah. And like it's about discovering what's around every corner physically, as well as uh, seeing what things you discover and uh, what it's, and it's an adventure, you know, and like when I first so I first played. The first game that I played was Dark Souls, uh, like m like many people, but it was a couple years after it had already come out. Uh, I heard so much about it, and so I think one of my buddies had 
my, my friend Alec had tried to sell sell me on these games. I was like, okay, that sounds cool, but like I, I was thinking about playing it, but I heard they're really hard, and I like hard, di- difficult and challenging games, but like, what are we talking here? Like, I've, I've heard you know from some perspectives that it's it plays terribly, some plays good. He's like, well, I think they're incredible games. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I know that there was Demon Souls, but I didn't play that one. But I know there is also a more recent one, Dark Souls, and that one seems to be pretty, pretty better received, I guess, and more more instantly accessible to me. And it's like they're not related anyway. Just go ahead and start with Dark Souls. That's fine. So I fired up Dark Souls, and sixty hours later, like I could not stop. But it's the thing is that that's not a unique experience with people that encounter those. Like it, it is within probably 10 hours i mean honestly the first 20 minutes i was like oh i love what this game is doing it's evil and but it was like it was more than just the game pushing back against the player because i love games that do that but it was rewarding and it was constantly fulfilling in giving me things to to see around every corner and it's 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 a common one as well with dark souls but that moment when you're in the uh undead parish and you go down the elevator and it takes you back to firelink shrine you're like holy shit this this world feels alive and that's one of the 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 common uh championing bits of the of these games is like how they feel interconnected and they feel like an alive world uh and dark the first dark souls being like usually the best example a lot of people hate dark souls too because it's more fragmented but i think dark souls 2 is the best of the trilogy but i'm kind of alone i'm not alone in that but it's a rare take position i know dan tack agrees with me i know austin <laughs> walker agrees with me <laughs> but i've had conversations with dan tack specifically about that <laughs> about how like yeah dark souls 2 is like of those of those three games in particular it, it's fantastic to me but there are a few things that compare for that first moment and seeing like what's around the corner and looking like realizing you're on top of a bridge and you were just in the undead berg and like you can see where you were in the undead berg and see where you're going and it feels like it has presence to it so my first experience was dark souls 3 and it was common, a moment in my life where i was trading in games left and right to the mm-hmm. i now i i now personally boycott gamestop um People are free to make their own decisions. But um, I was turning in games left and right. So I turned that in before I should have. I now have re-downloaded it because it's part of the PS5, like, PlayStation Plus, like, bundles. Like, you automatically get that. Yeah. Um, Which I think is so cool. God of War, also part of that, I think is fantastic. Love that. Until Dawn is part of that. My wife was so pissed at me when I traded Until Dawn. I was like, I told you I would do that. It's such a good game. It's a fucking great. Oh, wait. Did you play the other Man of Medan? Man of Medan. What came before that? Was that the first? Uh, Man of Medan was the first, I think, of that anthology. Dark Pictures. And then the next one was Lost Hope. So Man of Medan was just okay. I actually really want to play Lost Hope, I think it's called. But the new one. That's kind of what I've heard. Egyptian Call of Duty? No, I'm I'm okay. I'm good. I have other shit that I want to do. It does not look sure. good at all. Uh, That's fair. I mean, I I I love the their creativity and trying to 
kind of corner that market, I guess. But it's it's one of those like, how do you really compete with Until Dawn and like replicate that yeah. that success? Because that game was incredible, especially yeah. with a group of friends playing e- like the, the a group of friends that equals the number of players or characters there are in the game and having everyone be responsible for a character and passing the controller to that player when their controller or their character is up. And then like, if that character dies, that's on them and they don't get to play for the rest of the night, (laughs) but get to get to participate with the rest of the group, you know, but like it's, it's that simulation of like your friends in that like B tier high school horror movie kind of thing. Did you ever watch and rubber? It's so fun. No, but I've heard about it. And I, I've heard lots of great things. Why uh, is that like the main uh, response that I get is just like, I haven't seen it, but I heard about it. It's like the most cult classic never watched movie of all time. For people, I, who, It like, just came out at a time. I didn't see it. Yeah. it, it for like B tier movies. Like for anybody who doesn't know, rubber is about an evil tire. Mm-hmm. There's no I think more it words. was on. <laughs> yeah. I, it was on at my friend's house when we were hanging out and I like, I didn't, it, I technically watched it, but I wasn't paying attention to it. Uh, but it, I remember looking over at points and just laughing hysterically at how fucking goofy it is. I love it. So, um, I played dark souls three traded it in regretfully. Mm-hmm. Then I played more of bloodborne and I do want to mm-hmm. try to go back to bloodborne next month, October, because I know that's a time that a lot mm-hmm. of people go back to it and Absolutely. bloodborne. So dark souls is it fair to say is very much a shell up and attack when you can. And bloodborne is very much a, you have to be aggressive. You have to say, I am so... fucking coming for you. Yeah, Bloodborne more actively in its combat design encourages that, uh, and it's a core mechanic with like the rallying and like slash healing system uh, and the visceral attacks that they have. Where it's definitely an option in other Souls games. It's just most people play sword and board, um, and that's totally fine. Like however you want to play, whichever is fun for you. When I first started playing, I played a like a sword and shield. Oh, okay. Um, that that's just a nickname for it. Uh, I played a cleric that was like a club and shield, uh, and I had a blast with it. But then I've also played characters that were like uh, arcane or arcane users with a spear, uh, and and with Bloodborne specifically, yeah. Like there it, there are two shields in that game, one of which was in DLC, and the item description on the shield first shield that you find in the uh, cathedral ward is basically a using the shield as a punchline. And I love that. It's just like, well, no, not even, not even that like shields are fine, but not if they engender passivity. And that's the sentiment being is like, there's nothing wrong with blocking, but if you're not going to participate in the combat, you're not going to learn anything. You're just going to hide behind a wall. And like, that's, again, that's fine. If that's what you want to do. Uh, sorry, off air, we talked about this a bit You're more, good. and then I kind of cornered you with this question. But you just said, <laughs> cornered me, yeah. If, if, uh, about life lessons we learned through nerdum, and mm-hmm. you just said that if you don't participate in the combat, you're not going to learn anything. Isn't that mm-hmm. a fucking life lesson, dude? Yeah, if you're not going to, if you're not going to uh, throw yourself out there with some risk, you're never going to grow. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Which I mean, I better. do not encourage anybody to put themselves in any situation they cannot genuinely handle. But like life being totally. best lived Absolutely. at the edge of a comfort zone is, I, I don't think there's any way to get around that. I mean, uh, I, I, I told you, you specifically, um, I don't know if this is going to suck for the listener or not, but like I was going to make my, I, I was going to, uh, all right, I'm going to back way up. One of the things that I like about Robin, <laughs> I want to bring him on for, he knew that he was coming on and talked about some from software, which we'll get back to assuredly, sure, but sure. I do like the deeper thinker, Rob. I know he likes, um, spoken word stuff as well. I know he likes, mm-hmm. uh, goodwill hunting as well. Right. Right. Where'd Goodwill Hunting come from? Well, I mean, I do like Goodwill Hunting, but no, what I drafted was uh, from Dead Poet Society. Yes. And then I don't know if you yeah. got us in conversation with Goodwill Hunting or not, or that conversation just happened in my head, but Goodwill Hunting is a fucking great movie, and Rob Williams I agree. is awesome. Rob Williams um, is an incredible is an incredible actor. <laughs> his, his, I, his loss is felt. Borderline, forget where I was going there, but like the aspect of just learning things from games and putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. It's just something mm-hmm. that resonates with me so much. Um, the like, do you find yourself ever? So one of my best friends who played a lot of the from software games last year, he beat Sekiro, mm-hmm. he beat Bloodborne, some of the others. Uh, do you, fi- so he immediately, when he started playing games after that, he automatically goes to hard difficulty on all games. Now, do you see yourself doing that as well? Or, I did. I did at the age of three, dude. <laughs> I, I my very first game was Mega Man Two. I also completed Mega Man Two at like the age of three or four, because like that. That's just what was around, and I loved yeah. it. And that game does not relent. It is fucked up and cheap, uh, but but it is. It's that whole sensibility of that's where I get a lot of my. Uh, willingness well the, well just the, the sense of like willing to push through a challenge be yeah. your, like push your head against the wall and trying to overcome something even though it might be hard looking at a, a problem and finding where the solution might be or how, how you might be looking at something wrong and looking at it from a different perspective or trying something different i will say oh. I think I interjection. I think I said this episode one, but my grandfather taught me when I was younger. If you fail at something, do not try it again. Try it differently, and then it stuck with me forever. Yeah, that, and I I liked that a lot. That was something I appreciated from listening to that episode. It's like that's great advice. Yeah. Uh, continue. On like when you're a kid, you don't re- you're good, but like when you're a kid, you don't really understand seem to understand like the the weight of that. I think until you start to have experience with it. And see firsthand, like, oh yeah, there's a lot of wisdom there, and but like in, in particular with like the FromSoft games, because I already have that mentality of, I will just persevere. I will keep pushing forward and figure out how to do this because it is doable. I know it is doable. It's just and there was another. There's a quote from uh, Tamar Hussein uh, of Gamespot that when Janachoa of Giant Bomb was playing through Bloodborne for the first time, uh, Timur Hussein told him, the greatest challenge that there is in Bloodborne, it is not the game itself, it is your tenacity. And I think that's spot on. Because it is figuring out what you can do, sometimes cheaply. So like, as an as a... As a uh, philosophical difference between like Dark Souls and Bloodborne. 
Dark Souls, you can circle strafe to backstab to victory pretty much every encounter if you want to. With Bloodborne, uh, and they changed it with some of the other games to some extent, but like with Bloodborne, you have to do what's called a visceral attack. So you have to make yourself vulnerable to do a charge attack to uh, from behind to do that. You can't just go up behind them, find the magnet, and then hit R1, attack them. You either have to do the visceral attack, which is told to you in the hunter's dream when you first die. You go around, there are these little notes that explain, that tutorialize the game and things that you can do. Most people don't check. Uh, but there's that, and there's also parrying with your gun whereas yeah. in the other games it was a shield uh but with that it's your gun so you feel exposed but when you start to understand like attack animations and the ranges of parry uh or like the the repost with the with the gun uh you can cheese the hell out of that game and kill things way under leveled and just kind of create or you can just run past most of it if you want if you know the map, that's another option too. But like, sometimes I just like sitting in Bloodborne and engaging with the combat and just putting putting myself through challenges because I I want to see what I can get away with, as well as understand different like new weapons, new uh, new play styles. Because uh, as I always say, like I'm always in the middle of a playthrough of Bloodborne, be it new weapon, new character build, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I am always trying to see what I can get away with with different weapons because it feels good and the con like I understand the enemies like the the logic patterns that they have so I can push those to their limits and like I still die constantly that's but I don't care the point isn't about dying it's just about okay that didn't work out and the there's another thing Tamar Hussein said to Danny O'Dwyer uh, for another giant bomb thing. I love Timur Hussein. He's 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 a beautiful human being, and he also like I I am of a mind with him because he's also like pretty much always playing Bloodborne, and it's like his favorite game ever. But it's like there 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 comes a point where you have to understand what kind of how you participate in the economy of these games. Are you a capitalist or are you a socialist or a communist? I should say. So as a capitalist, are you a slave to? making sure you have money on you like like if you lose your souls how do you care you're a capitalist if you just keep going and focus on what how you died and what you learned and lose the 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 focus of getting souls or bloodicos or whatever you're you're about participating in the 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 commune of the game and the, yeah, the, the design grand design exactly and <laughs> There was an instance in which I lost, I think in Dark Souls 1, uh, maybe 2, I lost like 300,000 souls. Oh. And a lot of people, that's that's a gut punch that like you don't come back from. Like, why, why play again? Like, I'm not like, you're going to get that again, but you don't need it. You don't need, you don't need that currency necessarily to succeed. Yeah. Um, and so like right now as an example, I'm doing a challenge run in Bloodborne where I'm playing as uh, one of the starting classes. It's the military veteran and I'm not leveling up at all. I'm just using my Blood Echoes specifically for upgrading gear 
as well as buying consumables, like buying Molotovs, buying bullets, buying blood vials, buying uh, like oil urns, shit like that. And it plays like a completely different game in some respects. It feels like a Castlevania. I mean, I already viewed it as kind of a, a 3D Castlevania game, but um, in playing that particular way, you start to see like, if you've played Castlevania, the the heart system with consumables and like you're throwing knives or your your um, holy water and shit like that. Like I literally because it feels like it was like like kind of on sale. I literally just got mm. Castlevania Symphony of the Night on my phone, oh, which is not so the way to first experience that game. But a no. really hard. B I really just wanted to come to the switch that way I can experience it. I agree. I also, I, I want that collection. Yeah. I want the collection, the, the Requiem Castlevania Requiem or whatever it was called yeah. uh, with uh, symphony of the night and Rondo of blood. Cause Rondo of blood is my favorite Castlevania game. Did you watch uh, that I show on Netflix? It, oh, absolutely. So absolutely. Good. It's incredible. Especially that la- the last season that did uh, mm-hmm. season three, I think, uh, or was it season four? Uh, but anyway, like the, the, the finale of that animation style, it was incredible and it was so, such a fun, I wish they would continue on with, uh, Trevor story, but the fact that they're going to reboot in universe it like, I, well, they're just, they're see. continuing it with his son. They're continuing it, the story with Richter. I thought they went a hundred years in the future. Is it Richter or is it? Immediate I, th- I thought it was Richter. Oh, it, it, it's, it's his lineage. I, it, okay. I, I thought initially it was his, his son, but I might be misremembering. I thought it was Richter too. Um, but uh, yes, it is basically continuing, which yeah. I actually prefer because I don't want them to continue to draw out Trevor in is it Sypha. Oh, Sypha. Yeah, yeah. Um, that story, which is from Castlevania 3, basically. Yeah. The, the whole story of the anime is Castlevania 3. Uh, and a little bit of symphony and that kind of, but the like Rondo of blood is the best version of what they were trying to go for with Castlevania one through three, but didn't release in the States. Uh, but it did as Dracula X, which is a trash game. Uh, the SNES version is not good. Um, but then they finally released it on uh, PC or the PS4. But I agree. I would love that on the switch. Because so those Rondo games of Blood, I can get on. I, I can get on PS4. Yep, absolutely. It's part of that collection. Then. I I recommend it. It's it's great. I didn't know that Symphony of the Night was originally a was it PlayStation game. PS1. Yep, that's when I first played it, and it's a yeah. sequel to Rondo of Blood. Because uh, the very beginning deeper. of that game, you're pl- you're playing uh, the end of Rondo of Blood. Which is uh, Trevor or Richter? Richter. That's Richter. Okay, yeah, that really confused me at first because like I had all these like uh, it said like the final stage and it said all this stuff mm-hmm. and I was just like fighting Dracula at the very beginning. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. I kept playing it. Yeah, it's a it's the <laughs> the end of the story because this is a sequel continuing like what happened to the Belmonts after uh, what like Richter defeating Dracula and like getting possessed. There's a piece of me that, like, every time I think of Dracula, and now I'm misremembering. If it's Scrubs or How I Met Your Mother, I'm pretty sure it's Scrubs. But every time I think of Dracula, I just think of Dr. Acula 
from I always try to start the episode with things we've been into and I should have talked about this more then, but I've been rewatching Scrubs recently thanks to God, I think it was Alex's fault. Pretty sure it was Alex's fault. So thank you, Alex. You've made me rewatch Scrubs. And like I'm really close <laughs> to like season two. It is such a good show. Classic forever. Yeah. Um from software games. So you talked about the combat a sure. little bit. How do you feel yeah. about the way that they uh get, talk about lore? I, How I they exposition lore. It, but I, I, I love it tremendously. I think Bloodborne is the best balance uh out of all of their games. Sekiro is great as well. Um, but I, I connected the most with Bloodborne, in particular from its gothic werewolf horror to all the way to eldritch horror yeah and so are you a big fan the, of lovecraft the, stuff uh i mean not lovecraft but, he sucks but, he, I, he's I a going, piece of shit i didn't want to interrupt you by saying it but i was i was going to no, say you're good. he's lovecraft. a yeah. he's yeah fuck lovecraft he's a piece Yo, wait, of shit. no hold um, on lovecraft rant have you watched lovecraft country yet oh yeah it's incredible so I, I I apologize now. I have not gone past episode two. I should have watched more. But Mark it's Bernard with Fat Man Beyond. Uh, Mark Bernard is mm. uh, does a podcast with Kevin Smith. He should be known for his own shit, though. He's written for Carnival Row. He wrote most recently for uh, – well, he wrote for He-Man Revelations. Anyways, Mark Bernard points out that in Lovecraft Country, H.P. Lovecraft was a racist son of a bitch. And yep. the fact that they bring out in Lovecraft Country, the fact that the scariest thing in episode one isn't the monsters, but the fucking rape uh, racist. Yeah. Like the no, most absolutely. evil, evil things are the racist in episode one, even though there's these like fucking Demi yeah. Gorgon monsters coming at it. Like fuck racist. If you're a racist listeners right now, Find another podcast, Bucko, because you suck. <laughs> yeah, no, and so that that's that's part of why, like, I always tend to refer to it as like cosmic or eldritch horror, is because that's you don't have to use the Lovecraftian it, 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 name. It, well, I mean, it's more it is it is beyond him now, and yeah. some of the best stuff of that sensibility has come well after him. Yeah. And so like uh, the abyss and uh, event horizon and th things of that nature, like they do such a better job at tackling that subject matter of like, yes, there was, there's a great quote from, from Lovecraft in regard to like the greatest thing, the greatest thing to be afraid of is the unknown. And that's true. He viewed the unknown as other people of different races. So fuck him. But uh, the point being is like there there are things that we don't understand and we when we encounter the things that we don't understand how do we react especially when it's like actively something we don't understand that is actively trying to kill us and with bloodborne in particular like i think they do an amazing job at teasing that bits and pieces and there's a particular reveal that like there's a there's a core mechanic to the game called insight you have two currencies in that game room. There's blood echoes and insight with insight. The world starts to change based on how much insight you have and gets harder in some instances. And it's, it's genius how they executed it because I think that's the best system 
like the interplay system they've had as far as their currencies and everything. It's just like, oh yeah, this we just have blood echoes or blood, we have souls, so okay. But it was like it, it like incorporating a, a a thematic and mechanical tie to this currency and like the impact it actually has when you start to understand its role in the game. Uh, and like the icon is literally just an eye, you know, insight eyes on the inside. Um, and it like that has some literal interpretations <laughs> in the game. Uh, but it, that game in particular is my favorite of them because of the lore and the world they built and like everything involving Yarnum and the characters that you encounter and the so i love item descriptions providing flavor and context little nuggets of context for establishing a world because it feels lived in it feels real it feels like it has breadth and depth to it and part of the joy of those games for me not everyone shares it but part of the joy for them for me is actively playing them when they come out blind but with a community and sharing in the dialogue and the conversation of, okay, so it, like more literally like mechanics that you encounter or, or areas that you discover, but also talking about what repercussions were. I remember having a conversation. Uh, spoil. I, I I'm trying to refrain too much from spoiling stuff in Bloodborne just because oh, spoil I love the fuck that out of stuff. I I I know I can't, <laughs> but it's more I like for the sake of people that have not played it, and there is something to discovering that for the first time. Yeah. But one thing I will discuss discuss because I think it's an incredible encapsulation of what these games are capable of is the whole story with Father Gascoigne and his daughters, um, and oh, that's yeah. a huge fucking Isn't, gut punch uh side note what's the and first this one i can talk about go go up against so the first required boss is father gasquine the first okay, boss most people encounter is the cleric beast um on the bridge just well, by i was thinking the father guy but yeah father Gas- gasquine is the first yeah. boss you have to defeat to progress to the cathedral ward and there's stuff that happens around him that I sort of know about. And I don't want to, I'm not going to say it just because I don't know the full context and story of it. I just know bits and pieces and it's more. I can, well, I mean, I, can, I have no problem talking about it. This one in particular, I will give the kind of the specifics about just to give an Wait, illustrative point. Isn't there the one that like you can go to like the window? Is that where the daughter? So, so, so yes. Yeah. So how, how this whole story unfolds is. Early on, in, through exploring Yarnum, like you typically would go down through the the aqueducts uh, to, then you come back up some ladders, and then you will find, you know, an ogre just chilling by a ladder, and you go up that ladder, you hear this music box playing. Mm-hmm. You go to the window uh, and hear this music box playing. You talk to the little girl. She's saying that so her mom and dad are gone. Her mom went to go look for her dad. Uh, her mom gave her the music box that her that she would play for her husband, Father Gascoigne, because uh, they come from a different distant land. But he joined up to help cleanse the the, the area and participate in the church um, uh, for th- other big lore stuff. But he brought his family with him and started succumbing to the madness that comes from like that everyone succumbs to essentially and uh you you mean his daughters uh, his his daughter 
uh, or one of them specifically. And she asks you to go look for them uh, because mom hasn't come back and dad's, you know, that's not, he's not in his window, right head. Right? Yeah. So you never and actually see a, anybody. You just knock. It says you can knock on the window and then you mm-hmm. just talk to them through that. Yep. Absolutely. And then she gives you the music box to help because it helps daddy clear his head. And so I remember playing this game for the first time and having conversations with friends and my buddy figured that out and told that to me is like, so if you use this item on the father gas coin, he like grabs his head and he's in pain and you're like, Oh, that's his daughter that, Oh shit. So what, how that story can unfold is if you play the music box during the fight, it stuns him for a little bit. After you complete the fight, you go up on one of the roofs. There's an item. There's a corpse with a red brooch. Uh, mm. and that you find out that was his wife. He killed his wife in the throes of one of, his, of some of his madness, killed her because he wasn't in his right head. And so you go back, if you give the daughter or tell the daughter about what happened, she goes looking for uh, someplace safe. And you will then, if you go down one of the ladders, find um, a red ribbon. Uh, if you kill a boar, there's a red ribbon that, will drop from it and basically the the daughter died and you can also try to go talk to his other daughter and discover try to help her give like a safe place to live or to stay throughout the night and get her killed too so it's just that one little like one boss one item one window interaction has this huge story attached to it and like discovering that for the first time is incredible. It, it, it's it, it's that rewards that sense of discovery, right? Uh, and th- these games have tons of moments like that. that I, I feel like for someone to get the most out of these games, they need re- reader retention, comprehension, yeah, and then I agree. willingness to overcome obstacles which are like collaboratively some of my favorite people are the people that can like have a sort of remembrance of that world building and then have some of that like uh i'm trying to think of the the big word here but basically the ability just like push through things you know i mean though yeah perseverance there's another word i was trying to think of but perseverance Mm. makes no sense um that perseverance to try to overcome some of these obstacles whereas dark souls is very i think that no anyways i'll eventually like at three o'clock in the night i will think of the word (laughs) wake up shouting (laughs) what the word is yeah (laughs) i will pop up in bed in the middle of the night be like (gasps) (gasps) oh shit (laughs) so anyways um it's just his ability to push through these things and find yep. um, like the deeper story. And like we, we talked about D and D very lightly. Oh, oh wait, side note interjection is going to kind of break the rhythm of things. Cause there's not an existing segue. You talked earlier about systems. Are you someone mm-hmm. who likes to learn the systems, how these games are supposed to work and cooperate with them? Or are you someone who like D and D and from software have in common saying this shouldn't work, but it does. And I'm gonna keep doing it. I love breaking systems. That's part of why I love immersive Sims is I, I love seeing obviously how something is intended to work, but also then 
this is not taking a creative interpretation. Well, I mean, not even, I mean, yes, part of that too. I love the way I describe it is I like poking a stick at shadows uh, and seeing like one of what I can get away with and things. And two, just looking at something from a different perspective and, and trying, seeing what works. And like, uh, as an example with the FromSoft games, like, yeah, che- cheesing some combat encounters, but also seeing, okay, what if I do this? What if I use this item? What if I use this weapon? Yeah. And because a lot of the time people don't do that with consumables because they have a sense of attachment to them. It's the old RPG, like specifically JRPG sensibility of say, like you finish the final boss. <laughs> well, yeah, capitalist versus communist society, but but in particular, it's like the, it's that the cliche of finishing a JRPG game with like three thousand potions that you never used finishing resident evil with your rocket launcher yeah and th- that's <laughs> the thing is like those tools are meant to be used and a lot in a lot of instances you can replenish them but people have an attachment to them that like oh i might need this later it's like you might just need it now like you might make your life so much easier <laughs> like cleric feast is a fucking joke nerdum overcrossing with real life behavior <laughs> yeah totally there's so many uh, but ways like it's, to just it's take worth, that with real life. Yeah, and that's the thing is like that's part of why part of why I love these games too is that sensibility of like, why not try, yeah. try try approaching this problem this way or like experiment in this way. If it doesn't work, cool. Like that idea, you died. Um, but like you can just try again in a different way or what have you. Uh, it, it's totally fine. Uh, but like. I, that's the thing is I don't give a shit about dying in these games. Typically, like there are moments where you're like to feel not defeated, but you have like a, a boss encounter where you were so close, and then like with or with me, Orphan of Cause for Bloodborne DLC, got him down to the very first letter, uh, health wise, first letter of his first name, that O, uh, one of the times by myself, and was like so close. It was like fuck fuck i was so close to getting on that time I was like all right let's try it again next literally the next time crushed it yeah and just, just de- de- defeated him by myself and it's like as an aside there is there is a certain facet to the, like the souls born community uh of these games that i really push push against is the this the idea that like if you summoned help then it doesn't matter or it's not impressive or it doesn't count and no. fuck that noise yeah, that's super gatekeepy and just and it's just being an asshole uh, because one, it's a mechanic in the game that is specifically put there by Miyazaki to encourage cooperation and yeah. joining in together to, to overcome these obstacles. You know, like strand if, game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like that's that's part of why I was like, I, I really appreciated the whole concept of like with uh with death stranding and the whole strand game and all i was like that's a fucking from soft game it has been a from soft game since demon's Souls. did you beat death stranding no i keep getting super close and i love it it's just i keep getting distracted with other shit but i love that game with but i have some understanding of the ending but well um the last episode with Nier Automata was my best friend, Nicholas mm. Barassa. And um, he told me that he was just okay, like, 
uh, normal scale seven point five, his scale five out of ten of liking sure. the game Death Stranding until I get he it. said I think it's like the last two hours and then he said it was one of his favorite games of all time. And he said the, the very end, end Dude, for a lot of, of people that, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> he said once he hit the end game, it all made sense to him. It was very Hideo Kojima of just like, oh, that's mm-hmm. why you did that, that, and that. And I He's will so probably never ahead play of his through time, Death Stranding. I, uh, I, I mean, it makes sense. That, that makes sense. It's not going to be for everyone. Yeah, it, I adore that guy that. more than I like any of his games. But to be fair, I've only fair. been able to play a little bit of Phantom Pain. And I have not and found a good place to play the old Metal Gears. So. Na- narratively, uh, Phantom Pain is garbage. It yeah. is the worst of the Metal Gear games, sadly, uh, because uh, mechanically that is the uh, outside of like Hitman. I've, I've, t- I've talked with uh, Chris Babino of Hello Hyrule, uh, Crypto Zookeeper, as a lot of people know him. We've talked about this. It's like stealth games and like Metal Gear Solid five like that story is so strung together with duct tape and hope um but mechanically that game is incredible it, it like it, it the system overlay that it has and like all the way that the different things interact with each other it's it's phenomenal and he has such a way with making games like that and like metal gear solid 2 i i loved metal gear solid 2 a lot of people hated it because raiden was kind of an asshole it's just like kind of a lame protagonist at first when you like yeah it's solid snake and then the 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 uh one two or sucker punch of like yeah it's actually someone else it's riding yeah. uh for basically this whole game and i thought it was really neat that they did that and undercut expectation and also i think that it's really game, neat the way they uh, the i think it's really cool the way they uh what do you say advertise that game of like you're gonna play a snake again, and then like everything was about Solid Snake from prior to release. Yep, is it an hour into the game you play somebody else for the next twenty hours? Yeah, Raiden. Yeah, as soon <laughs> as basically the tank the tanker is over, you start playing as Jack or Raiden for the rest of the game. God, this and is a great move. I, I adore that. Kind I of agree. Shit. <laughs> I, I agree. I absolutely love that shit because it defies expectation and makes people people confront what they love about something and open their mind. You know, it's not always done well, but I think, and especially like that end of that game is so ahead of its time. And, and like, thinking and, about and now, Metal Solid 4. thinking about now, I don't know what happened, so don't spoil that for me because uh, I need to fine. play. Do you think it will? Do you think I'll ever get either uh, Metal Gear? remakes or metal gear ports where it's the best possible place to play them because i don't really play on pc so do you think i'm going to get a ps5 Mm. bundle collection i would love for that to be a thing uh as far as it actually happening i don't know because konami can't be trusted to do anything people want i've been wanting a castlevania an actual proper castlevania game for years i've been wanting a a new proper silent hill game for years oh wait so we should probably talk about from software a little bit more but what's your opinion on a band i feel so fucking bad for those developers man they they were over the overreached a little bit with their ambition but people are so fucking shitty Hassan has a way to to say like, hey, this is not a fucking thing, but he hasn't done it yet, has he? Yes. 
He literally recorded it and people thought he was full of shit. I believe you. <laughs> As I cross my arm. <laughs> like, like shortly after like we like this isn't what you think it is, but I I I am so fucking sick of the like oh Hideo Kojima's secret behind this and it's like a shadow shell thing. Like he's done that for oh, a, you know wait. Metal Gear Solid 5 in the past, but like he did the exact same thing with Metal Gear Solid Five. Do I think he's doing it now? Do I think there's a pull? No. He did it once, <laughs> but he, he could do and, it again. And but, like, uh, yeah, I, I I could do it. Fuck you. Who, you are. I could be on, working for Hideo Kojima right now. <laughs> you are on the better end of this uh, river because on my end of the river, I will never be happier than the people's disappointment of this being just a game. Whereas I, you're just I, like, fuck, I feel bad for the developers. I do think the developers could have done more to like stomp out this like fucking. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it got it. They, it, that's what I say. Like, they, they overreached in their ambition in trying to market the game and shroud yeah. it in mystery. And people started connecting dots because people are conspiracy theorists and look for connections and things that sometimes are there and sometimes are not there. So and they just wanted to make a horror game. And yes, yes, I desperately wanted Silent Hills. I Hideo Kojima making a Silent Hill game is a fucking match made in heaven for me. But I'm never going to get that game. Do you know what's cooler than that, though? Is Ito. And why can I not remember his uh, Ito? Hmm. God damn it. He made this spiral ma- manga. He's attached as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know oh I can't God. remember his, his his name either, but but I know I know who you're talking about in the art style you're referring to. Yes, so he was and... he was attached. Um, Hideo Kojima, uh, Guillermo del Toro, and there's a fourth person that I can't remember. But like all of those people together, like fuck yes, horror is yeah. like like anime and, and some other stuff. It's a very passive yeah. thing to me, but like I still enjoy it and have a passion for it. But like, holy shit, that would have been an A-team lineup. Silent Hill 2 is my fifth favorite game of all time. I adore that game and that series and would love another game. And so when I found out it was a Silent Hills, it, like it was a Silent Hill game, I lost my shit. I was that person like, yo, that, that's fucking awesome. I got super hyped because that's that's I, it's appealing to me i'm the person that is successfully being marketed to for that type of thing do and you then think it, the, pt that should happen. all right do you think pt uh this is like three things in one okay a lot of people think that if kurt cobain never died nirvana would have been led would not have been legendary do you think if pt wasn't cut short it would have turned it would not have turned into the legend that it is it's it, it's a monolith now in a large part because the Silent Hill is being canceled and Konami preventing it from being accessed on on consoles. Absolutely. That contributed a huge component to that. I still think that PT was in and of itself one of the best versions of a content, uh, of like post horror or like mm-hmm. taking the concept of a horror game and spinning it on its head with because I love that surrealist defying of expectations that Hideo Kojima is known for. And I think that was a brilliant sales pitch on what I could have got from that game and like messing with a player's head and what, what is real. And I think it did it super effectively. So yeah, I, I appreciate that for what it, for what it did. And uh, like, 
I'm saddened by the fact that I'm not going to get that. So I don't have that expectation that it's ever going to happen again. I have made peace with the fact that I'm probably never going to get a Silent Hills from Kojima game. I'm probably never going to get another Silent Hill game. But if I get one, cool. I will be happy getting that. It probably it could be bad, could be great. Silent Hill 5 is a terrible fucking game. <laughs> I, but, you know. Is Silent Hill 5 the same as Homecoming or is that something different? Uh, it is homecoming, yeah, and that was the the Western Dev uh, team that made that one. That game is fucking trash. Do you know what I will defend though? Hmm. I liked his own Hill movies, even the one with Jon Snow. I liked the first Silent Hill movie. I <laughs> I, I I I enjoyed the sequel for the amount of laughs it provided for me. Nope, you said you hated it. Was, it. it was... I heard it. You said that you hated it. And uh, I I I think it's a terrible film. Don't yuck on my yum. So, you, I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I think it is a bad movie. For me, it is a bad movie. I don't know why I like it. Especially because it had that okay. goosebumps aspect. The Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like bad horror. I mean, and that's 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 the thing. Is it is like it is d tier horror which can fulfill a niche that's why it's fun to like but the, the thing with me why it was frustrating was like that movie is silent hill one and three stories combined in a very slapdash way that fills for the the second Be- one the second one because okay. that cheryl is heather and there's a whole narrative in those games silent hill one and three connecting those two games with heather and telling her story and how everything happened. And I think it does it incredibly well. I love Silent Hill 3. Um, that whole trilogy, well, one through four are incredible games. I think I only played uh, two. I did play two, though. Most, most people have either played one or played two or like played one when it first came out uh, back in the day. But I love each and every one of those games. They all offered something different. Silent Hill 4 is a super underrated game. Uh, and it's available now on PC through is GOG. for the shattered, uh, what, what's no, four called? The, the room. Silent Hill 4, the room. It's where you're in that apartment and you can only leave through that hole in your bathroom. Uh, and like the, while you're in your, in your apartment, it's all first person. Then you leave the hole and you go through third person with all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, two back-to-back questions for you. Have you ever played Fiddle Frame mm. games? Some I've played uh, Fiddle Frame 2, yes, and it's incredible. And my last episode, I talk about my great Fiddle Frame like experience or memory where like mm-hmm. my friend handed me the controller for my first time playing, and I immediately found a ghost. I immediately got scared shitless and just threw the controller <laughs> down. It's like, I'm not going to do this. It's a great game. It's a great way, game. <laughs> way throwback. Did you ever play like the original Clock Tower? Uh, I think I rented it once, uh, but never finished it. But I briefly played it, um, but enjoyed it. But I would like thing. them so to for... see something contemporary of Clock Tower, where it's just a sure you have to hide game, and you can find lore throughout this world building mansion or whatever. Oh, but... Outlast. <laughs> I haven't played Outlast. You're describing yeah, think... Outlast in like every modern horror, first person horror game. 
No, what is there besides Outlast? I agree with you when Outlast was overlooked, but what else? So there's Outlast, Outlast that? 2. Uh, th- um, you can't count the two as the same as one. Like, I get it. Outlast counts. Well, no. The, it's <laughs> Outlast and its sequel are both, they're different yeah. games. They're, it's it's not the same game, but it has a, a similar sensibility, which is why it's called Outlast 2. But there's also Visage, uh, which was a great indie game. There are a lot of people that are trying to capture, and that's like PT. That is PT. Yeah. yeah. I, I and love that, that, that became people though. trying to make that mold. Oh, absolutely. It's great. I, I, Eternal, I absolutely agree, but we're moving close. Eternal to darkness. Uh, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I want another eternal darkness game. I'm probably never going to get another eternal darkness game. And that makes me very sad. Dude, when the fucking meet and when it muted itself, we had that yes. same like CRTV. And I looked at and my brother and it brother says was just it's like shutting down or like your save file was corrupted. It's so good. Uh, why like if if placed if Sony did a version of this, they could very much have a so we lost power randomly yesterday. I still don't know why. Mm-hmm. And when I turned on my PlayStation and played Tales of Arise, it had a Something like rebooting, blah, blah. Like, I was just like, what the fuck happened? Like, it said, like, it was, it didn't say it was repairing itself, but something like that along those lines. I was like, Mm. holy shit, is my PlayStation broke? And then I remembered that the power came out. But that, like, screen, Mm -hmm. I could very easily see a studio going to the very specific console being like, we need you to put your screen in this game. Like, even if it's Xbox or PC saying, like, we need you to put your screen in this game. yeah, or just like the console restart uh, yeah. animation, it could easily be done. And then and that'd be fucking incredible. Profile. You have to reuse your and profile. It, yeah, and absolutely. All your save files wiped. Oh god. And like Bye. it's just like like a complete factory reset console. Absolutely. Oh damn. It's so good. That's part. That's I, Eternal Darkness is another one of those games that like is is a super slept on game but like the people that played it remember like we need another one of these please (laughs) it's been too long it was like the only one of its kind i usually never have to do this but i uh it's weird to say on air because people are going to hear this but whatever um i do have to wrap up soon house of leaves my dude yes so you you do your best non-spoiler explanation to our listeners of what House of Leaves is because I fucking tried and okay. I can't. So so it's it's actually really funny that we're con- um, dovetailing this conversation after Silent Hill because Silent Hill is how I discovered House of Leaves. Um, because prior to describing what House of Leaves is, as a dis- disclaimer, the reason why I got into Silent Hill and not Resident Evil as far as like horror video games are concerned is Resident one is better. Continue. Nope. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. So I just reason- get a Travis hard no from you. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the reason being I-, I bounced off it because I hate tank controls. And oh, yeah. so S- Silent Hill 2 gave you the choice you could either do like more of a standard uh action adventure camera control type game uh and resident evil didn't give you the choice and so i started going with that but but resident evil was never scary to me it was never terribly much about being scary but it was like you know it's a horror game and it didn't do anything for me i don't like jump scares i like it's not that like jump scares bother me it's just they're boring to me because they don't work yeah, Silent Hill uh, is much more of a head scary, like psychological, it's psychological horror, horror, and then that makes Resident me Evil afraid is... to go to sleep at night. 
yeah, Resident Evil is and I kind of more that. of a gore horror, but like, yeah, absolutely, it's biological horror in the aspect of like, if body stuff doesn't bother you, then it's not going to matter. Whereas like, all right, wait, At wait, all, so yeah. weird side note, okay? So a, a psychological or not psychological psychology teacher. And the uh, one of the years I went to community college. Spoiler alert: I didn't graduate college. I apologize. But he asked the entire class. (laughs) (laughs) He asked the entire class. He said, "What is worse, a mental or emotional like pain or a physical pain?" And most of the class raised their hand to say like a mental or psychological pain versus physical. And he started saying how, like, silly we were and blah, blah, and how, like, we should be tougher mentally, blah, blah. And I raised my hand. I was like, um, I'm sorry. I've never thrown up from uh, hurting my ankle, but I've thrown up from a broken heart plenty of times. And it's just <laughs> like Resident Evil is so much more of a, hey, you hurt your body. There's gore. Like, you need to, like, there's zombies coming out It's you. Yeah, it's gory. Like, it, it dials yeah. in on the broken bone and seeing what that looks like. And that's, that's that thing, like, ever since a kid, that doesn't do it for me. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. Like, unless it's a needle in the eye, that's, an, that's something that fucks with me. Oh, dude, but, uh, um, I still know what you did last summer when he puts the hook through the collarbone. Yeah, that, that that's is rough. The Evil Dead Ugh. remake, uh, with that bathroom scene with the the needle go the syringe going into that, I was just like, "Fuck no!" Um, but but otherwise, like, so with the Silent Hill games, like those those are more about telling interesting stories that deal with metaphors of trauma and pain. Yes. Like Silent Hill is literally a metaphor for trauma, confronting your trauma, and the um, the way that they communicate and fuck with the player because it, it's survival horror and feeling in a situation where you can't handle what you're around uh and i thought it was better at communicating that so there was a forum for people that were big fans of silent hill games around the time that silent hill 4 came out uh it was around but prior to that i'd played you know silent, i was replaying silent hill 2 and someone had recommended house of leaves if i mm-hmm. liked if people liked horror uh, and, and like looking for literature that kind of encapsulated that well, and that not just like books about like, like slasher thriller novels or anything like that. It was more like, okay, if you like things that deeply un, like unsettle you to your core. Oh, you, you read and Travis, you and Travis explaining this in the discord introduced me to surprisingly a new word. And like, I'm, I immediately picked up on what this word's definition was, but mm-hmm. disquieting. Yeah, that's how I've a, always described House of Leaves. It's a word that I never thought of before, but immediately as soon as I read it, I knew what it meant. I didn't need a definition Ob- for it. Very first time reading that word, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm interested. Yeah, it 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 honestly, it was reading that book that made that word come to mind for me. Uh and I described that to a friend once who was like, we were kind of having our own little friend, uh, one-on-one book club with a friend and talking about reading house of leaves together mm-hmm. and like just going over all that. And that's how I described it to her. I was like, this book is disquieting. Like it, it makes me uncomfortable and unsettled and it does all these different things. So the premise of, uh, of house of leaves as the novel is this, um, documentary, uh, filmmaker or novelist. I forget the, it's been like, 
10 years since I read he's it. He's a, there, pul- a documentary Pulitzer maker. Prize photographer. Pulitzer Prize. Who does a. Doing a documentary on about like, this house. To, yeah. Uh, of this house that is um the only thing that stands out about it is that it is what like a qu- uh, three quarters of an inch or a quarter inch bigger on the inside measurement wise than it is on the it's, outside yeah it and starts it off doesn't a quarter make sense inch, and then uh right. shortly after that it turns into five sixteenths and then it yeah. fucking spirals roll and so from there literally uh from there uh it becomes the understanding what is contributing to this but also i i and in some ways i also describe house of leaves as it's a love story um because when you start getting deeper into what everything that's happening what it's about like it's a love story too uh but i it's also like a literary experiment like and tangibly so and it's a book that you can't engage with uh like as an audiobook or anything like or or really no. even as like an ebook it is a like it is the only thing i, I will ever recommend like the, this is the only way to do it is with house of leaves and it being a physical tangible book because I, of how sound, it manipulates that expectation too this sounds silly but like definitely get a soft cover not hard cover of this book um yeah absolutely most definitely so about i'm i'm not even a I might be a quarter way in a quarter way in. Okay. First of all, so it is the docu. It is no, I'm not going to go too far into it. I'm pretty sure I did last episode, but the, um, editor's notes within Mm -hmm. this book devolve into a whole other editor's notes is pretty much half the novel, but at a certain point, the editor's notes are upside down at a certain point. There is a just, two by just, two. Just, 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 just leave it there. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. There's a two by two window of I still don't even know what these fucking words mean. I'm pretty sure it's Stop. I don't even know what it's describing. But the two by two window in the middle of your page has a bunch of words describing chemicals, venting. Uh, anyways. But when you so that say that's on your right page is a two by two window with a bunch of random words, okay? When you flip the page, too much away, man. And it's on your left side. The words are backwards. I'm not giving anything away. The way I'm explaining, you're giving away one of the parts of the discovery of that book. That's one of those Uh, things. That's discovery. That's with with House of Leaves in particular. It's one of those things that you don't tell people about, and so that that's part of the novelty of it of the novel. That's yeah, one of those things I'd like to not spoil for You have to read yeah. this book. <laughs> yes. You have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. I, I do think I did a terrible job of explaining that, which is good. It's a good thing no. that I cannot translate it well because <laughs> you have to experience it yourself. Uh, it's, it, it's one of those things where you start to encounter like, what the fuck is this book doing? Yeah. And you really get to appreciate what it is going for physically. And why why I view it as it's a it's it's a literary experiment uh, in a lot of ways, and I love that about it. I did not give you enough time to talk about from software. When I, I finished, had plenty of time, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> when I finished House of Leaves, will you come back to talk about it more and our bloodborne experience? Sure, I I need to reread it. 
I definitely need to reread that book. It's been too long. I think I have it somewhere, but I need to rebuy that book. And then after I finish rereading it, give it to a friend. Because that's what I do with I, that book. In general, I think the best things to do with books is just forward it. I told my wife something yes. about like being done with some books. She was like, okay, do you want to donate it? I was like, no, no. Like I always want to gift a book to a friend. Like Perks being yes. a wallflower. So you can follow me um, on Twitter at sincerely underscore Eric. And that sincerely Eric comes from Perks being a wallflower. And I mm. gifted that to a high school friend, Emma. Um, I just, I, I always think books should be forwarded. That's um, literally my, my same philosophy with literature. Uh, there's a, one book in particular. So House of Leaves is one of those books that I am very adamant about. Like I only own this book so long, uh, like until it's given to, to the next person. Uh, I will buy a copy and then replace it later on to get, so I can give it to someone else. There's another book that I do that with is uh, Still Life with Woodpecker by Tim, uh, Tom Robbins. Um, I've never heard of that it's book one before. Of, a lot of people haven't. Uh, most people have heard of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. It was also a film with Uber wait. Herman. Yep. Even, wait, no, hold on. It was a film back in the day based on the book by Tom Robbins, who also wrote Still Life with Woodpecker. Uh, but I bring it up because... I don't know if the mic's picking that up or not. Yeah, I can hear it. Have you ever listened to Gaslight Anthem? Uh, familiar with him, but haven't really listened to him, though. No. This song's called Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. That's probably a reference to the book. I would have to say. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very likely a reference to the book. Uh, Tom Robbins is a great writer. Uh, but so that book is the best way to describe it is as, as it is on the back is it's it's a love story that takes place in the pack in a back or inside of a pack of camel cigarettes. Um, mm. That's uh, all I'll was, say. Uh, Charles Bukowski. Uh, um, Hamel every Rye? camel cigarette has magic in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, that's one of those books that like, I remember the last person to get to that book too. Um, but so that's one of those, I will always buy a copy of and then give it to someone. Um, be, and because I, I, I feel the same way that like books, books don't belong to us. They're just given to us. We're, we're basically keeping them on hold until it goes to someone else that, that needs it. That is a good uh, way so to look at it. So I continue to, to gift I, books to people that, that match for that are that are right for them trying to come up with my own awesome saying at this, uh, on the spot is i always think of books <laughs> of journeys that i take that somebody else can also t take as well that's a great great way to say yeah. it absolutely it's just like i went on this journey with this book and it's something that my life has experienced and i've grown from i want you mm -hmm. to grow from it too and i kind of hand it absolutely. Off that way absolutely. so we went from some from software to reading, which wasn't the intention, but I mean, literally the game is for. about reading <laughs> the story and item <laughs> description. So it all tracks. Hey, it's reading <laughs> and perseverance and finding and your literary own nerds. life. Yes. Book nerds. <laughs> from soft games. So that's the thing. If you're a book nerd from soft games, right for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to think of the combat in those games. Like if you have to push your glasses up, please try this game. <laughs> Rob Hudak, you are on a real at Real Draft Punks. Um, 
releases weekly on Thursdays. Your past mm-hmm. episode was on animal names with Jesus Christ. There's so many I can try to think of right now. Um, the Dory in the Discord had an amazing poem she shared that mentioned yes. a fuckload of bees. Um, yeah, was, which is a meme. Ge- oh, wait, wait, side meme. note. In general, that was a pretty good poem. Yeah, that was great. I loved reading yeah. it. Um, and then your very first episode, you start off with Marvel um, mm-hmm. movie picks with Greg Griffith of Level Zero Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Plug your own shit for a. L- let me stop doing it. No, do by it. all means, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, like so, like what? How how I've always described draft punks from a. Um, like one of the the core components to draft punks to me has always been community. Hence why I, I describe myself as one quarter of draft punks mm-hmm. and there are three main hosts typically, but the guest, the guest seat uh, I view as like the community uh, as, as a representation of the community. And that is a, that they have a huge seat. They participate in like the votes we have every week of uh, the discord that we have, like all of it is intertwined. And it is that's one of the driving forces for for me specifically. Part of why I loved and wanted to engage with uh, draft punks in particular was like making sure community was engaged and like we we involved and made voices heard and like lifted other people up mm-hmm. and gave them opportunities to to talk about themselves, things they're interested in, kind of like with what you do and like calm down earth. Uh, that 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 means a lot to us and things that people are passionate about and also just laughing for a few hours and travis described it in a really good way as it's a guided conversation every week yeah. with oftentimes word association as as the bit and like just us finding ways to make each other laugh and have great great conversations and learn about each other yeah with uh, that last week. uh w- with word association on the last episode of come down nerd i had um again it felt very much like through extension of like mm. oh i get draft punks and i get the word association thing because like my best friend when i asked him to define what a nerd is he finally gave that candy bit it was not prompted it was talked about in the discord of draft punks made reference many times from brian Mm -hmm. i asked my best friend to define what a nerd was and he said um it's a sugar candy from Willy wonka and they're small little bits i was like you son of a bitch you finally did what i've been waiting for now i can retire that question and that's why i kind of retired (laughs) it this week (laughs) i and i love it yeah it's 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 i'm a sucker for wordplay man and finding creative ways to look at something and that's why like we love our bits um and finding like leaning in we have our bits that we we all try to lean into sometimes where um like with the metal draft in particular was a more recent example but with that was like we straight up just started doing homonyms Mm -hmm. so as an example the album metal from pink floyd is literally spelled m-e-d-d-l-e or as quote one of the ones quo did was meddling kids from Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. yeah, and like I the creativity, it's it's fucking great, right? I like and how Brian. Like, said, I think Brian said, "Well, we never discussed the spelling, so you get this absolutely, one. <laughs> absolutely." Because we pretty much like don't tell each other what really qualifies. We like having a conversation of like, "Well, why do you think that should be on your, your list? Like, how do you think that really fits?" And yeah. let the community decide, like, you know, it's valid. 
um and it's it's a it's a delight it, it, it makes me it makes me smile every week and makes me makes me incre- uh, like eternally thankful to have like brian and travis and this community of people that just get it you know they care people care about each other and just want to help each other and like do right by each other and like make sure that we like collaboration that's the other the other thing that is big to me about like draft punks and kind of what it represents is just collaborating with people yeah i was collaboration is key listening to it is very much i like listening to the opinion aspect i like listening Mm -hmm. to like the with the musical episode of like i would not have tried this if it was not presented to this podcast or i would not have thought about this if it was not presented to this podcast um right so yeah again at real draft punks um listen to them on spotify and many other platforms and then join their discord Mm -hmm. and tell them why they're wrong weekly about the shit they're wrong about yes Uh, tell us why we're wrong (laughs) a waddle of penguins was that not an honorable mention Mm-hmm. Why but wasn't picked, it an actual pick? Because I picked Huddle of Penguins. God damn it! Waddle's better. At a uh, at Raven, you. a Raven named Rook. <laughs> what Just is it? At at Raven named Rook. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have any other th- uh, exiting thoughts for us? Um. Be kind to each other. Oh yeah. Uh, Legit fellow travelers. Like, well, so yes, the uh, the outro of our episode is until next week, travelers, be happy, be healthy, and be kind to each other. I wrote mm-hmm. that when, when Brian asked us to get like a a way to like end an episode and I came yeah. up with that and it stuck and I'm at the point now where like I break out nearly into tears every time we have a guest read it now because yeah. it means a lot to me that people resonate with that because it's true to me. It, like it's trying to, how, how like a philosophy I try to live my life is like, just be kind to each other. Yeah, so it's I'm a big fan of. It's not that of, hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Gaslight Anthem, and they have. Uh, <laughs> that first thing you're thinking. Sing. I'm a big fan of gaslighting. <laughs> no, not not gaslighting. Gaslighting. No, it's a I, band. I, I know. I'm just I'm just joking. Have, like for a second, like <laughs> I like telling people they're crazy. They're uh, <laughs> God. One of their, now you made me forget it. One of their songs, one of the like chants or hooks that they have is um. Mm-hmm. Be ha- damn it. Be, you know what? I'm gonna forget about it now, um, and then I'm going to Google it. And Jesus, I swear not to Google when I'm putting my phone down. Hey, listener, if you want to hear what this actual Gaslight Anthem lyric is that I love so much, listen to the next episode. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for being on. I thank genuinely, you <laughs> you're welcome. I genuinely think people have to like what they love, and I love hearing about it. Um, Thank you for listening to Calm Down Nerd Podcast. Peace.